I'm Tony Epstein, and this is the Magical Mystery Tour. Join us as we dive into the heart of things, exploring new ideas and new ways of seeing and being in this wondrous, crazy world we share together. beginning the end so where to start this is a journey into sound brought to you in living color on wgdr information in the form of energy streams in in. simultaneously through all of our sensory systems in the form of energy is Jody Marquis. She's a self-sustaining leadership trainer and a loving lioness coach and the founder of the Chance for Change Institute. Up until now, she's worked exclusively with women to overcome life challenges and become who they most want to be. And she's about to extend her work to training men in self-sustaining and loving leadership which we'll be finding out more about in our next conversation. Today, we have an unexpected conversation around interpersonal challenges. This was recorded back in April, and circumstances have changed since then. Hi, Jody. Well, hello, Antonio. How are you today? Um, well, to be honest, I just got off the phone with my younger brother, who's uh, going through a late in life rift with our father. <laughs> yes. Those are those are the human experiences that we don't look forward to. Yep. And this one's been going on since Thanksgiving. I'm sorry to hear that. And he was calling you to be supported. Um, I suppose in his own way, yes. <laughs> <laughs> But that's not really <laughs> underneath what was going on. Oh, 
family stuff, right? Yeah. And this is like a very unusual thing in our family, at least in the last several decades. So this isn't common. This is something new that's emerged. Yes. I mean, I experienced this kind of thing with my father when I was a teenager. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I survived and I, I learned a lot from it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I gained, you know, the hard earned wisdom from that of how to relate with someone with those kind of quirks and also how to deal with these kind of dynamics. And it's something that my younger brother never had the opportunity to learn when he was younger. Right. So, so he's learning it late in life. Yeah. And we, we identify our, you know, our worthiness is often dependent on our acceptance and belonging from the tribe, our family. And so when there's resistance or when there's, I call it, I've gone through these types of things with my own parents, just, um, the interconnectedness of generational patterns and being able to separate self from the, the unit and know that it's not always personal. It just is. And everyone's working through their lessons. Um, and then there's skills involved, the things that are required for us to know about in order to be compassionate and empathetic. Compassion and empathy were probably two of the the really deep lessons that I was able to practice as I learned to love my parents unconditionally, but not take on, take on the idea that there was something wrong with me because there was disagreements or because I wasn't doing what they wanted or those types of things. I don't know your circumstance, but generally it always comes back to perception and versus reality <laughs> in everyone's life. We all think we're right. And I always say in an argument or disagreement, we are both right because it's coming from our perceived ideas about what rightness is. And so we spend a lot of time trying to prove our rightness. That's exactly what's happening. And yeah. uh, each person is taking this whole thing deeply personally. And when we take things so personally, particularly around these kind of volatile emotions, it completely blocks our ability to experience compassion and love and uh, connection and connection. Exactly. You know, two people who dearly love each other and acknowledge that they dearly love each other are completely disconnected from that experience with each other. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's very, it's sad and unfortunate, but, but on the other hand, it's, it's one of, it's the process of, of, of our life lessons. Yeah. It's evolution. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the cosmos will keep giving the lesson until it's learned and they come at different times in our lives and they reoccur in different ways with different people. And um, it takes the awareness of, of that. I think that's, you know, one of the beauties of being a self-sustaining leader is that it's about self-knowing. I know myself deeply and I wake up with the intent to connect. I mean, I'm saying that as it's me, but that's the idea behind this model that we talk about is that each individual has the capacity, the moral courage and the capacity to grow um, and do the right thing for the right person at the right time. And sometimes it's to step away and give space. Sometimes it's to, 
to surrender to what is and sometimes it's a skill that we have to build a muscle i'm a question person i believe in asking people in you know, reflective questions so i remember one time just saying to my stepfather who brought me up um i, I lost my dad when i was young and i remember just saying to him what is your goal <laughs> what is your end goal in in this situation that we're in and is there any room for us to connect here is your need and your desire to be right or is it to be happy and how can i make a shift in myself in order to hear what it is that you're wanting me to hear so sometimes it's that one person just takes that next loving step even if it's hard so maybe your brother will be that person maybe it will be your dad the one thing i would ask your brother if i you know was with him i would ask you know what in the end what do you want the relationship with your dad to be is it connection or disconnection and if the answer is connection then you know, what's the next most loving thing that you can take responsibility for in creating that? Yeah. And unfortunately, he's not at the place of recognizing that what he wants is connection because right. he's, he still wants validation for his, his hurt, his wounds. And yeah. he, he wants, he wants my father to, to take accountability for, right. for what's happened and right. he has he has legitimate arguments, right. but but they don't work when clashing against um, you know the other wall. When two walls come together, yeah, it doesn't work very well. Yeah, because there's requesting what we need of another person to make life more wonderful, and there's demanding of what we need. Exactly. And so demanding is you know that underlying sense of entitlement that you owe me this and. Um, Requesting is just really, are you willing to hear my needs? And what I'm needing is to hear you say that I'm enough and that some of the choices that you made as a parent impacted me. And that's, that's, that's nonviolent communication. That's what that is. But I was sharing in a leadership class last week, um, and this came up, I had a family, a, a mom who's dealing with grown children that are angry at her. And because I'm a mom who made a lot of mistakes with my children, um, a lot of mistakes, I can say that like, if I were to ask my children, what was it that I chose to do as a mom that helped gain your forgiveness and your respect? And there were two big things. Mom, you said you were sorry and took responsibility for the fact that your choices had an impact on our well-being. And two, you modeled the behavior that you wanted to see. Instead of telling us that you were just sorry, you behaved in ways that showed us that you were going to change because you had new information to change and to do it better. So that's what I say to my students. Children need to know that they're heard and that they're seen and that even though 
you may not see the reality as it was. It was the reality that they experienced. And until you take responsibility for the impact of your choices, there cannot be forgiveness, nor can there be true connection. And it's hard to do that because it requires us to look at ourselves and take responsibility for our choices, even if they weren't wrong choices, because I don't believe that people wake up in the morning and go, I think I'll screw my kids up today. Or I think I'll do something that harms the well-being of my child. I think that everyone gets up every day and our only goal is to meet our needs. And it takes profound skill and emotional intelligence to meet our needs from a place of connection. We're not taught to do that culturally. We're taught to disconnect from each other, to protect ourselves um, and defend our side. That's what the brain is designed to do, is to protect our story. Um, because our needs, when they're unmet, um, we try to meet them. And when they're not met, we say and do things from a place of protection and disconnection. And it's a natural, um, it's a natural response, actually. It's how the, the body and the brain are designed to work together. Um, and it's all based on protection. Yeah. And so we have to kind of understand um, that we can rise above the, the thought cycles and we can choose, we can choose what we, what we want to move forward. And if we embrace self-love, which we're getting ready to go into a men's leadership course. So this is quite interesting that your brother is the one having the, <laughs> because the, the journey that I'm getting ready to go on is what does that look like for men? I know it's the same needs. We all universally have the same needs. Um, there seems to be a different way of living in the world as a man um, and how that's articulated from the heart. Um, and so I'm very curious to embrace this journey of doing a leadership course, self-sustaining leadership with men and see if we can learn from each other how to balance masculinity and femininity in a way that connection can be better you're you know, a brave uh, you're a brave woman <laughs> i am brave i do have a lot of courage i i accept that um i also have a really clear purpose where i see the possibilities and um know that we are all here on earth to to connect. That's what we're born to do. And I think that the men that come into this will be men that choose it. So it's different than trying to make somebody want to do something. It's more like, are you a man who, and then describing what that looks like um, from a place of curiosity um, and willingness. And that when people say yes to this journey, it's because they're they know that I'm exploring and they want to do it too. And I think when that is the foundation, um, only beautiful things can unfold. Yeah. When you, when you really are in touch with what you most deeply want, it yeah. becomes much easier to put everything else in, in perspective. Right. Yeah. And also with the previous things we were talking about, you know, recognizing our own triggers and how we tend to respond or react to them. Yeah. That's that's a incredibly 
important thing to learn. And it's also the most difficult thing to learn. Yeah, I have a, um, I have a signature method that kind of evolved over the past four years of me doing leading life through the lens of love. And the question that I kept trying to answer is how can people come back into alignment with their truest self and do it in a, a very quick way with the intent to engage in high, I call them high frequency choices, but it's, you know, loving choices, which is high frequency. And there are, I, I call it the love method, actually, Tonio. And I'm writing a book right now and I'm hoping to publish it next year. Um, that the first step to anything in life is to, are you willing to take full responsibility for yourself, for the fact that only the individual person can choose to create their life from a place of fear or a place of love. And that fear generally always lands us in some sort of place of survival. And love becomes the embodiment of being a creator in our life. So the love method is the L stands for listen through the lens of curiosity to the body's emotional energy because our body is a servant to the soul. And it tells us in any moment if we are in alignment or out of alignment. And it does that through the emotional energy that we experience. And that is the foundation to being able to move into the next step, which is, oh, and oh, and this is where people get so stuck. The ability to open the heart and acknowledge and accept with unconditional love yourself as enough right now. Most people look at themselves and they look at the world and they think, well, that's what's wrong and I have to fix it. And then we go about trying to fix ourselves. Or the world around us. Or the world around us. Love, if people truly understand quantum love, the you know quantum universal source love, is, is the healing energy. So anything that you bring love to naturally dissolves if it's not, if it's fear or it expands if it's already love. So being willing to open the heart and notice yourself without judgment and, and acknowledge unconditionally. And that's the piece that I spent many years figuring out because I'm a recovering addict and I've shared that in my story and I feel I've always noticed that our system and my self-help journey was always about fixing something about me and we live in a world of diagnosis where you go to the doctor <laughs> you say something's wrong they give you a diagnosis and then you take something or you might even try doing something but the underlying energy is I have to fix it but the truth is, we are all pure love. That's what we are as human beings. We are made from that. And so the only thing as adults that we're truly trying to do, it's not fixing what's wrong with us. It's uncovering what's getting in the way of accessing what we already are, which is love. 
So V in the V is about veering the veering our energy towards alignment, which is love. Um, and sometimes, like I'll think of your the story that you're talking about with this perfect person in your life. Sometimes it's just radical acceptance that I can't change the other person, and I send love to this. I send love to the journey that we're on and it, it might come out in a prayer or some kind words or your hand on your heart and that automatically starts to shift energy and from that place you are then ready to make a conscious choice which is e engage in high frequency decisions that expand your life most people make decisions from a place of low frequency, which is I'm upset. This person said something to upset me. And what's really happening is there's a belief inside myself that was triggered, like I'm not enough or I'm not lovable or no one ever listens or I'm all alone or life is too hard or it's not safe. And so because I don't have consciousness, I didn't learn step one, how to listen with curiosity to my body's wisdom and then open my heart and acknowledge and accept myself unconditionally and then the skills to veer the energy because we don't have that we react so your brother's reacting your dad is reacting um, and from that reaction there's disconnection and from that you have low frequency experiences and if we're looking at it from the quantum model of self-sustaining leadership a low frequency experience energetically aligns us with more of the same because that's the law that's how it works it's how quantum law works is that if you spend your time engaged in avoided behavior avoided behavior is tagged to low frequency emotions usually guilt shame or fear um then the universal quantum field of communications like I heard that I read that I felt that vibration I understand that vibration in here let me send you some more opportunities to experience that because there's a lesson or karma um, that I'm sending to you and you keep doing the same thing expecting a different result does that make sense oh yeah to totally yeah totally. so leading life through the lens of love is just a program it's it's the program where people can embody the qualities of love and learn the skills of being a loving leader so that they can make high frequency decisions because without the skills of the self-sustaining leadership model which is where veering energy happens you can't do it different you just can't because you're living from the unconscious place of the programming of the mind the, the old patterns, the old default mm -hmm. strategies that we usually learned when we were children before yeah. we before we were even aware of other choices. And even if we learned it later in life, we generally learn it in a society of people who are still practicing the same old um, Par paradigms. Yeah. Fear based response paradigm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it it really boils down to, yeah, that issue of how do we activate love from a place of fear or relax the fear to reveal yeah. the love and the peace that, that naturally exists when we're not triggered in that kind of sympathetic 
survival response yeah. mode. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, I can share my journey. I think it's different for every person. Like the way that we transmute energy is different for every person because energy cannot be destroyed, nor can it be created. It can only be transformed. So how does a human being transform energy, fear energy, to love energy? It's through the intentions that we set and the thoughts and choices that we make. So we have to, so that goes back to like, nothing can evolve for a person until they choose what they desire. And then, and choosing means that you take full responsibility for creating it. So you're, so when I'm speaking to someone, I'll say, what are you choosing in this relationship? Because we are creating our reality, whether it's unintentionally or intentionally. If I want more connection with my husband and my intention is I am deeply connected, intimately connected with my husband and we have a playful, passionate and purposeful relationship, which is actually my life's intention then first of all my husband has to be open to the influence of my energy of my my ability to want to connect or my desire to want to connect if he's not open to that i can i can be as kind and loving as i want i can take actions and and you know have thoughts and all of those that are wonderful but if my husband's not open to it then it can't happen. But the power of the intention and what I choose for the relationship is what drives the energy or the decisions. So if my intention is passionate, purposeful, and playful, and it's and I'm not experiencing that in my current reality, then there's a the there's the space between having something and wanting like wanting something and then having it is the disconnect and the creating of that is the way that we hold ourselves in a loving way as we are creating it through the qualities, through the embodiment of love. That's an example of an intention. I have an intention. It's I live in a body that is loved unconditionally. And my physical habits reflect that unconditional love back to myself. Now, I set that intention because even though I was living in a body that was healthy and fit, I wasn't being very kind to my body. I was actually, this is, you know, this is an intention that I've been manifesting for many years as someone who has a, a diagnosed eating disorder. And how I healed my eating disorder and how I, you know, stopped living in that pain was to hold the space between the intention of I am living in a body that is unconditionally loved and my physical habits reflect that. And the desired outcome, because when I set the intention, that wasn't true. It actually wasn't true that that was my life. That was the, the reality was actually a lot of self-judgment and punishment. Like looking a certain way was about the approval of society or I'm not enough if I gain 10 pounds. It's all of the stuff that we deal with. But I knew that I wanted to love myself unconditionally. 
But the journey between wanting it and having it is where everyone gets stuck. Because to, to want something is to not have it. And to not have it is to live from lack, that I'm not enough right now and I don't have enough right now. In order to create enough, we have to have it now and in the future. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's yeah. It's very similar to the the love and fear dynamic. Yeah. 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 And so you can use fear and love as the as the observable criteria in between having and wanting. And you can ask, is this is this choice that I'm getting ready to make in alignment with my intention? If the answer is no, it's like, where am I in fear then? And fear is always ego. Yep. Fear is always protection. Yeah. In a sense, the latter example you gave is easier to deal with than the first one because you're just dealing with yourself. Though on the other hand, dealing with ourself is usually even harder than dealing with anybody else so it's it's not it's not as simple as 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 it might seem in in terms like like talk about the uh the dynamic you know the effect of holding on to those dynamic tensions where you're clear about what it is that you you're most wanting in the situation you're clear with your intention and yeah. then you're experiencing the tension with the reality that you're experiencing. And at some point, something has to give. And yeah. either either you, you will in some way attract the other person to move toward you, or you will come to realize that it's not working and you move in a different direction. Yeah, this is such a beautiful question, and I am very honored to answer it. And I'm going to take a breath because I want to answer it with just clarity um, and be very articulate. So I'm going to go back to the first thing that you said, which is, you know, the first example, the, the latter example was easier than the first because it was just with me. But here's the truth. And I'm going to use my husband as the example. And I have his permission because we always share our stories. It's a beautiful way to grow. My husband, I call him my husband. We've been together 20 years. Is the gift <laughs> that love gave to me to fully embody self-love. Because there is always an underlying need to change and control other people because we believe that if they change this, then I will finally be happy. But what I've come to learn is the other person is actually here to teach us all that we need to know about life's, the human experience grand lesson, which to me is the embodiment of love, self-love. So my husband and I are opposites and we're best friends but we have different values when it comes to certain things for example he eats sugar and he fries food i don't eat that way <laughs> so there's conflict right it's like i so then i had this opportunity to communicate with my person that 
I don't want to change you and I don't want to control you. But as someone who is taking care of herself and chooses sobriety from sugar and chooses to eat a certain way, I'm not willing to cook dinner for both of us if you're not willing to eat what I make. So I'm giving you the choice to eat what I make or we can both just be responsible for our own food and we can come to the table and we can eat. What one would you prefer? And we would talk about these things. And then we would, and then I would often say, and I'm feeling really lonely because some of our decisions are disconnecting us because now we're not cooking the same food. We're not even eating at the same time. But the skill that I would use to do this was I would observe through the lens of curiosity. Step one of the love method. Listen to the energy in the body. So when I started to feel these contracted energies, I would just ask myself, what are you needing right now that you're not getting? That's the self-reflection. And the answer would often be connection. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we decided not to have the same food. So my husband's doing this and I'm doing this and we're not spending time together at meals anymore, which is something that we were doing. So the human self wants to blame the other person, but the soulful self knows that there's a lesson that there that's in, that's being presented. And so I always, I learned that my husband was here to teach me. And we did get to a point in our relationship where um, we weren't growing together anymore. I was growing beyond where he was willing to go. And that's resistance. And this is what it sounded like in our loving conversation. And I, so I requested a conversation with, with him. And I said, I, I really want to talk about our relationship. I really have a lot of clarity in my mind about what I want and desire in, in a healthy relationship for myself. And I wanna share that with you and I wanna check it out with you and see you know, if you're on the same page. So we had some time scheduled and we had the conversation and I said, you know, I want what's best for you, but I also expect to treat myself with the utmost of love. And I'm unwilling to be in a relationship where the priority is this, this, or this. And I won't go into what those priorities were because your priorities, the things that you're choosing in your life for you are creating disconnection for us. And I wanna say thank you because in that disconnection, I've had an opportunity to spend time with me and I've come to realize that you're not responsible for my happiness. I'm responsible for that. So we have to make a choice. What I want for my future is to be in a relationship with someone that we have purposeful, passionate, playful experiences where we're connected, where there's sobriety from sugar. And at this time, this was many years ago. Um, there's sobriety from weed and, um, you know, recreational use of alcohol because I've just decided this is what I am choosing for me and I don't want to make you do anything you don't want to do. Now, 
you have to understand that when we have that conversation with the other person, they're going to start protecting themselves because you're asking other people to change things in their life that they may not be ready to change. So I said to my person, and I'm willing to give it some time. I just need to know that you want the same thing and that you're willing to go on this journey with me and we'll do it together. But I'm not willing to keep doing what we're doing. So if you're unwilling to make any changes to the way that you choose to prioritize your time, that's okay. But we need to we need to we need to take the time apart and separate so that I so that I can be free to live my life um, as I desire and you're free to live your life as you desire. We ended up working through everything and we have the best relationship ever, all of it. Um, but I led that and my husband would say, you know, that I am, I do take the responsible chair of leading our relationship. Um, and he appreciates that um, because sometimes for him, he doesn't realize he's stuck in patterns. And so he appreciates that in me. And I've been able to say, and sometimes I want you to take the initiative. <laughs> and I get really clear about what that looks like. So resistance is often when we're stuck in trying to control what is. We want it to be the way we think it should be. And we don't like our choices. Because the choices that are often presented to us require us to grow, to evolve. And so it's easier to be in the mindset of you change so I don't have to. It's your fault I'm unhappy. When really, we all have free will. But when we go at people and we blame them, there's automatically going to be defensiveness. It can't be heard. Because every human being needs to know that they're lovable, worthy, and enough, even on their worst day. And that it's behaviors that we're talking about not the person themselves. So resistance is about surrender. The two frequencies I talk about in my work are love and surrender. And surrender doesn't mean throwing in the towel and becoming submissive to what's happening. Surrender is to open the heart, acknowledge the parts of yourself that are showing up, and then surrender it to love in a way that you can trust. So surrender and trust go together. I trust that I'm in the highest good of where I'm supposed to be and the answers are revealing themselves and I have the courage to receive the lesson, the gift or the silver lining that's being sent to me through, you know, through source, energetic love, karma, lessons. Sometimes it's programming. Does that make sense? 100%. So how do you stay so clear about all of this throughout this entire process? That's that's what is so impressive to me because things can well, get very chaotic while in the midst of these dynamics. Yes, and I'm not saying that they didn't get chaotic. I mean, I want to share very vulnerably that a lot of my journey has been falling in love with myself and my addictions were the triggers to to choosing that. And so I just have learned, 
I have a method of I take every day 24 hours at a time and I stay in the step that I'm in. And the step that I'm in, if my intention is love, then my body is always telling me if I'm in alignment with that or not in alignment with that. And if the intention is to evolve, which mine is, then you expect life to send you um, to send you lessons and gifts and opportunities. And then for me personally, I do a lot of breath work. I am I am a certified breath work practitioner. Breathwork is becoming one of the number one um, healing modalities in the world. I don't like the word healing personally because I think it alludes to there's something wrong. I prefer to use the word restorative. Um, so to me, breathwork restores our cellular memory to its optimal original form, which is love. And so when I'm feeling resistance in my life, I breathe. I, I literally do a breath code set, um, session with myself. I set the intention with my body because this is the other thing people don't know is our bodies do not have free will. We have the ability as humans to command our body and command our brain to actually up-level our programming. So it might sound like this. I might take my journal out and write in my journal, Dear divine intelligence, which is my body, and subconscious, or superconscious, my higher power, my higher self. Activate the release of fear in my body. And then I lay on the bed, and I just, again, I'll ask my body, I ask that you cleanse my body of any heavy energy that is blocking my ability to see the truth in this situation right now. And I always use the term right now or today so that I'm dealing with what's in front of me. And then I do the breath work and I get back up and I always have the clarity. Sometimes I don't like the clarity. I remember having taking a shower and crying for a whole hour in the shower because in my mind and in my body at that time, I was like, I think we're, I think it's going to be over with my, with my person. And I was starting to go into the acceptance of that. Um, and then, and, but I also prayed for a miracle. Like, please, if, if I'm meant to be with this person, send me a sign, make, create a way for me to know that I'm supposed to be here and keep going. And whenever I surrender, to love and I ask from that place from that deep heart-centered place like universe I just I I'm stuck I, I don't know what the next step is there's a big part of me that wants to be here and there's that other part of me that it's kind of feeling like I'm supposed to go <laughs> I don't like my choices so I'm gonna surrender it to you and then I just leave it alone and it always shows up I do that with everything in my life when I'm stuck in my business and I'm like money starts to get stuck and it's not showing up for me. I, I surrender and I just ask for love to take it over and show me what my next step is. Now, the reason that that works so well for me is because I operate from a place of purpose and integrity. It's not about me. It's about service to the world. So I'm operating from that 
law of oneness where it's an interconnectedness and I'm not here for me, 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 me. I'm here for the greater good of myself, my family, my workplace and my community, which optimally impacts humanity. Yep. The whole of it all. Yep. Not excluding any and not prioritizing any. That's right. Yeah. And it's a choice. So that's why, you know, everybody has the same opportunity in life, but not everybody is willing to accept the responsibility of their soul's journey because the protection is very deep. And some people just aren't here to evolve to that level either. I mean, that's my belief. Not everyone believes what I'm talking about right now. I come from a place of universal um, law and quantum law. And so this is, you know, what I learn in that, but there's a lot of different beliefs about the human experience, the soul experience, um, and what that means. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we are either connecting ourselves or disconnecting ourselves. And it is a choice. Yep. Yeah. And unfortunately, most of the world is still operating under the what's in it for me paradigm. Yeah, I think that that's very true. I used to be there. I, you know, I wanted things um, because I thought they would make me happy. I think underneath everything, people believe that more will make me happy. And that's just not true. Happiness is not, it's not something that you go out and find. It's something that you create within yourself. It's a physiological transformation and it requires repetitive habit. And people will get there only when the pain that they're in is greater than the rewards that they receive from staying in the pain that they're in. Yeah, that's that's what it all boils down to. We're not yeah. gonna make we're not gonna make any choice until we we viscerally feel that it's truly in our best interest. Yeah, or, you know, I'm thinking of everything I've <laughs> come through in my life. And at the time I was like, oh, why are you doing this to me? This is so unfair. But I've come to realize that my food addiction, my addiction, you know, my sleep disorder, um, all of the trauma that I've, you know, restored myself with all of the um, violent relationships that I've overcome, all of those things were gifts. And some people will never be able to look at their life's pain as that. I am just grateful that for whatever reason, the people, places, and things that I needed to see that clearly and to walk the path that I chose was revealed to me. Um, you know, I said it's a choice, but the truth is, Tonio, it actually isn't a choice because if someone is operating from a program and they don't have the knowledge to know that that's happening, then they actually don't really have a choice in changing anything because the program is running the show. So like when I was constantly choosing bad choices, like violent relationships, addiction, living in poverty, um, exposing my children to 
you know, all of these things. I wasn't saying in my mind, like, I want to be a bad mother and I want to be a bad person. I was like, I don't know how to fix this. Like, I don't know how to do it different. I wanted to do it different. I just didn't have the tools or the skills. But there did come a time, and it's usually when we're in that, what I, what, well, my, well, Jack, of founder of Self-Sustained Leadership would say, in that come to Jesus moment, it's the time where we we are in that deepest place of pain and there's nowhere to run. And someone might say to us, you have a choice. You can live or you can die. Or you know in your in your in your heart, even though you don't know how to get yourself out of it, you know that you have a choice. And that's when we become ready. But even at that point, the person will have to start seeking the answer. And what I want for people is to know that it's not about fixing ourselves because there actually is nothing wrong. It's just programming and it can all be upgraded and it doesn't have to take a long time. There's a lot of different ways to interfere with past programming it's all it's really all about going back to the energy the stuck energy from the experience and you can ask your brain to do that at any time there's a lot of different methodologies for muscle testing um spirituality in you know speaking to the body prayer is a way to ask for the release of old programming and the only thing you need to be able to do the skill is to know that you're in a program and then to be able to get to the root like oh there's that part of me that likes to protect myself when i feel like i'm being rejected by my dad and you call it up and then you just ask you know subconscious i'm asking to release the programming of this belief and you can even close your eyes and you can ask your body like what age did this program first start to record itself and it will come uh, nine times out of ten you'll an age and an experience will come into your mind and then you can you can just release it so those are just different techniques and um, the self-sustaining leadership model doesn't actually teach those things these are tools that i have in our leading life through the lens of love program in addition to the the self-sustaining leadership workbook um, but they it just enhances it and for me, it's because of my evolution. I just really had a lot of trauma in my life and I didn't find that um, things like positive affirmations or things like um, reflective, cognitive, behavioral, you know, like I could always tell you what I was doing to hurt myself and I could even tell you what would change it. But then when I would go to take those actions, I would constantly abandon myself. <laughs> So I just needed to go deeper for myself. Like, why does this happen? Like, why do people self-abandon their goals all the time? And what I learned is that programming sometimes is just so heavy. And the cellular memory of our body um, vibrates from that emotional state that we've recorded through our life's experience. And so until we cleanse that, until we heal that or restore it, it can't really be any easier. Yep. Desperation is a is a powerful motivator. It sure is. That sure is. That's how it worked for me. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, I would love to hear more about your story, Tonio. <laughs> I know this inter- <laughs> I know you're interviewing me right now, but you know, I I love to listen to people share their their journeys and and their come to Jesus moments and lessons and like what that meant and then how the hows of what what helped you to get to that place of where you are. Well, I cycled through all this many times in my life. Yeah. And that that pattern in itself was was a, quite a challenge and yielded lots of moments of despair. Like, will I ever, will I ever <laughs> get over yeah. this? Yeah. And, I mean, I had, I experienced a lot of psychological and emotional trauma as a child. And, yeah. and I felt like I was like desperately f-ed up. And <laughs> I love it. And I, yeah. And, and it manifested in terribly, low self-esteem, insecurity, and and just an inability to feel safe in the world. Yeah. And I was truly desperate, and it was my desperation that drove me to, to surrender, because I didn't have the answers. And by surrendering, by realizing that I didn't know, and that I was so desperate and you know i read things and reading things can be a good reminder but it doesn't it doesn't really do anything because when you're in those moments you you are looking for a fix you're looking yes. for you're looking for the easy way out the simplistic solution that will fix things without you having to let go of anything what you're really most deeply holding on to which which is like the the kind of I- ironic comfort of all the misery and suffering that that you've grown up yeah. with. Yeah, because the brain the brain seeks comfort and familiar familiar sorry. <laughs> Can you help me with this word familiarity? Exactly. exactly. And it does that even if what's familiar and comfortable is painful. Right. As they say Better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Right. So it's very powerful. Yeah. So I was very desperate, and I cycled through this many times in my life because Mm -hmm. I, like you, I also had a very strong desire to to change. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I learned pretty much everything the hard way. I think. I think essentially we all learn everything the hard way because <laughs> if it was as easy as listening to anybody's sage advice, we would all be, you know, we would yeah. all be doing fine and and there would be no trouble in the world. But that's not the way things work. We we literally have to beat our head against the wall and and resist until until we truly get that the resistance is actually a a core part of the problem that that we're just holding on to and it's not like we are the problem it's all of the things that we we've come to believe about ourselves and the way right. we see ourselves and the way we see ourselves in relation to the world around us and the stories we tell us about the world around us in relation mm-hmm. to our own stories about ourselves which just makes it you know compoundedly more complicated when in fact it's actually very simple. It's just that 
the simple reality of that you call love is just there like the sun hiding right. behind the storm right. clouds that just won't go right. away. Right. I, and and you're right. I mean, life's journey, you know, so if we're so if we're born into the world as pure love and then we become the observers of our physical environments and then our brain records every experience that we've ever had and and the emotional response that we had to the experience and then we form perceptions and beliefs and attitudes about the world ourselves the people around us and you know everything the programming is what's really separating us from love so and that's who we are it separates us from, from our, our direct experience of who we most truly are which is it's a it's a totally visceral nonverbal experience so anything yeah. that our head is telling us is a lie it's it's disconnected from reality no matter how much it might make sense in any moment amen to that tonio yes it's it's like the old saying even the truth out of the mouth of a liar is still a lie yeah yeah well and the only reality there is is the reality that we create so that's the whole <laughs> you know it took and and it took so many years for this to be embodied by me when you asked me like how do you stay calm and all of that in it well because well, I, I, I asked how do you stay clear yeah well it it's it's the more that we the more that we wipe the dirt off the window <laughs> meaning the more that we transform our programming the more love reveals itself, then you become, you embody that. And so then you just, you just are that, right? So. Well, that was beautiful. What you said, cleaning, wiping the dirt off the window. It's like for some of us, it takes a lifetime to realize that we're driving in a car with a windshield that gets dirty from the environment around us or gets rained on. And, and then to discover that we have windshield wipers and then to discover that we have a switch <laughs> that actually turns them on and off and and that it yeah. actually works to wipe the stuff away so that we can see clearly and then learning how to you know use them in the moment when we need it you know yes. these are things that that sometimes takes a lifetime to learn these these what seem like simple tricks but until you realize that these things even exist they're not even options. They They're exist. not options. Yeah. They exist in in another universe in a sense. Yeah. And, and even though, and even when we know that they are options, there's resistance to doing it because the brain is programmed to not do it. I'm talking with Jody Marquis. She's the founder of the Chance for Change Institute and is a self-sustaining and loving leadership trainer and coach. And even when we know that they are options, there's resistance to doing it because the brain is programmed to not do it. So there really is this, you know, back and forth of contractedness versus expansion. And so, you know, what I say to people is you just have to take one small bite. Like you have to want it. You have to choose it. We have to choose it because wanting is lack. I, I, I've come to really learn like wanting anything is to not have it. To choose it is clarity like I choose this for me and surrender is 
I have no freaking idea <laughs> how I'm getting there, but I'm choosing it. And and then the ability to listen to the lessons, the gifts, the silver linings. And I think, you know, for me, I'm just going to be very frank. I believe that we are a soul in a body with a mind and our mind does not listen to what it's supposed to listen to. The mind and the body are meant to be the servant of the soul. But we are programmed and our minds become the dictators of our lives. And so when we decide that we want to stop living the lie and embody the truth, what we're really saying is I'm ready to listen to what my soul has been trying to get me to listen to for many, many years. Surrender only happens because the soul has been screaming, please, would you learn the lesson? <laughs> and you keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And you can't do any, you can't get anything different in your future doing what you've done in the past because it doesn't work. But the programming is that powerful. I don't know how else to say it. it just, I'm so passionate about it. And there's a lot of ways now, Tonio, like you and I are evolved where, you know, I'm 53 now and I'm, you know, I study, I continue to study what's available to people. And I just think that we are evolving as a society and there is so much opportunity for people to actually cut time off the pain because when you can energetically release trapped emotions from your body, then you can release the programming. You can heal the programming and you don't have to go back and revisit all of your junk to do that. There's a doctor, his name is Dr. Bradley and he um, founded something called the emotions codes. And I'm just, that's all I'm going to say about it. Um, it's just, it's a way to identify trapped emotions that are linked to experiences that are creating results in your life now. And it's a very powerful book. I've used it on myself. I've, I hired a practitioner. I tested the model. And I'm now using some of the work on my grandchildren. But it's just, it's a, it's a process for muscle testing and asking the subconscious to, to call up the energetic block from it, whatever experience. You don't even have to know what the experiences are and to release them. And those are the types of things that I'm fascinated about right now in my leadership work, because if I if we can find ways for people to reduce the time, you're always going to have to come into it with choice. I choose to grow and I choose to change um, and be willing to show up for the things that will help you. You're always going to have to be able to say yes to that. And I believe that that's the hardest part for people. Because every day I see people have opportunities put in front of them that will help them and they, they're just so resistant to it. Um, but if people can just take that one little step, put that one little toe in the water and do it and feel just a little bit of relief, just a tiny little shift, then there becomes that motivation to take the next step. And I don't know if that's how you experienced it. But for me, I look back to where I started and sometimes I think, how did you stick with it? I believe that there are people that are born with natural persistence. And I'm grateful for that in myself. 
I, I've just always been very persistent and determined. But I think determination can also lead us down a path of, it's like I take the long way home. <laughs> I really feel like I took the long way home, Tonio, <laughs> and I'm grateful that I made it, but I, I definitely feel like, you know, 20 years of trucking down and trucking up and anything we can do to reduce that for people, I think would be, you know, miracles. Well, I think that when you learn and when you, you know, make the journey the hard way in that way, you learn a lot more that you are able to then share with with a, wide, a wider range of people, whereas the people who have an easy life, you know, bless them for that, but they don't necessarily have much to offer to people who have a lot of struggle to deal with because they, yeah. they don't come from that background of experience. So that's very you, true. So what you have is, is a wonderful gift that you have to offer. And I've also heard it said that the more struggle you experience in your journey, the sweeter and more profound the uh, the experience when you make it through to the other side, so to speak. It's very, very true. I I, I hear that, and and I agree. I, I know that that's true. But, but if the if the purpose is to end world suffering, like what if we just lived in a world where all people were born as love and we just took care of each other and there was no suffering? I mean, like, I just, I really think about that. Like, I know that our soul, you know, souls come to do work. Um, and the purpose of our pain, the whole point of going through pain is to be able to help. And you can't help others with things that you haven't gone through. So this is very true. I mean, I get people that come into my life every day that say, oh my God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, Jack is that person for me. He's one of those people for me. So I totally get that. But what if, you know, every time we go through a cycle of evolution that more people are just the embodiment of love? I think that's the journey that we're, we're on. And if we all started out in love and had nothing to work on, there would actually be no purpose for us to be here in this playground to work anything out. That's true. So, That's true. so it, there's, there's this old story from various spiritual traditions of how God, for whatever reason, decided to create the universe as a way to experience himself yeah. or itself. And that, in, you know, in all of the infinite um, possible ways, which include all the, the suffering and pain and darkness and evil, as well as the joy and, and pleasure yeah. and, and all, all of that, that he wanted to experience everything and, and that it was, it was really just as a grand cosmic play of consciousness yes this is true i know all of these things <laughs> and <laughs> no it's true i mean we you can't have i mean if you don't have the darkness you don't know what you want like you can't desire something unless you've not had it so you know you can't help something evolve to something more expanded if you haven't experienced it in the contracted space and so all of that is true 
I think my only hope is that if there's a if there's ways to reduce pain the timelines of pain I think that you know that's what I believe I'm here to do like I know that my program when people come in because I've gone through the long road the long way around I have created methods for cutting down the time and you know when someone can go through a program in 13 weeks and at the beginning they're saying you know my score on being able to feel happy inside on any given day is a two and at the end of the program they're like it's a six that's a really significant shift in the physiological um you know makeup of the person and so from that place then they can set new intentions and evolve beyond that and then i also work with people that come in and they want it really bad but there's so much dirty window <laughs> that they have to fall they they are on the long road you know they're they're not in a place where they can receive um the gift because there's there's so much programming and and trauma that is blocking their ability to access the love that's within them that that they fall off the wagon and then they have to come back and then they leave and they come back um but I've never had somebody say to me what you're doing isn't helpful I have had someone say to me I almost wish that I didn't join your program because joining your program brought me to a place of consciousness where I now understand that I have free will and choice and before your program I didn't know that so I could use my life as an excuse to stay stuck now I have choice and I don't necessarily like that I have the choice. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of profound. Truth. <laughs> yeah, that in, that in between state can be extremely comfortable. That's that's kind of like where you're in the the damned if I do and damned if I don't place. Yeah. You're right yeah. there in the middle, and no option looks looks good <laughs> yeah. or, comf or comfortable. That's what it is. It's like that's we're still looking for comfort and familiarity. Yes, that's perfect. That's exactly. Ditto that. Oh, gosh, what a great conversation today, Tonio. So blessed. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I experienced this with you the first time. I love your clarity. And your, your sense of purpose is just so crystal clear. And that that's what's so, so admirable about you. I mean, well, I don't do well on the clarity end of things because I get muddled. My brain is is kind of deep fried from all the the psychological and emotional trauma that I experienced as a child. So my my nervous system is is a bit uh, chaotic. But on the other hand, I can relate to people who who have those issues, and uh, we all have something to offer. Yeah. Well, I experience you as very purposeful in your ability to um, create space and hold space for the story to be told. And I would say that maybe I'll invite you to a clarity breath work and you can start breathing that, that out of your cells. Because I think that I just heard a little story from Tonio and the story is I... Um, I don't have clarity because, and then you went in to explain it, but that's a lie. 
<laughs> yep. Right. That's an overlay. That's an overlay lie. And yeah. so, you know, and I do that too. Like it takes a neutral person sometimes to reflect back to us. Like oh, you, yeah. you, you do have purpose. Um, I feel very honored to, to have a, an, an opportunity to talk about my life, my story, my evolution, the creation of leading life through the lens of love, the, the openness to embracing a men's program and finding 10 good men that are, that are wanting to have more heart to heart connection with themselves, with their families, with their workplaces and with their communities and to explore the idea of that through the content and the opportunities and to not put limits on what the outcome has to be, but to be open to what might evolve from that. Because I always find that when you're open to what might evolve, the magic is just amazing. And something beautiful always gets created. And it's never what you imagined. It's always different. Yeah. At least that's how I experience it. So thank you for this yeah. opportunity. Yeah, I totally agree that we we cannot imagine what's possible on the other side of where we're at right now. Right. Yeah. And and also I would like to invite you to, you know, do another conversation where we talk about the men's group work that you're talking yeah. about. So. Yeah, I'm absolutely wanting to do that for sure. And what would be helpful for me to come with? Just bring yourself. Okay, because that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I ask. Yeah, yeah, and I'll come with a way for people to reach out and sign up um, to apply because there will be an application process, um, a screening process to make sure that I'm only getting people who are willing to say yes, you know, to this journey in the way that that it's structured. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Because after you know spending a lifetime of banging your head against the wall, you realize. You don't get very far that way. Right. So you yeah. want to you want to work with people who are who are willing to do the work. And I I totally agree. Yeah. Otherwise okay. it's just uh, an exercise in futility. And it's a it's a um what's the word I'm looking for? It reinforces <laughs> an old story of me that anybody, you know, anybody can take the class and and do well and that's just not true because there's a readiness to change like as you said so maybe you'll be able to give some insight to the screening tonio and maybe you'll be one of the people who gets inspired to say yes and come be part of it i don't know i'm just gonna leave the door open <laughs> anyways i just want to say thank you one more time shall we do the following tuesday at three yeah, that works. And it will be in regards to the men's leadership program. Yep. And we'll find out what that's all about. And mm -hmm. uh, I even did a ton of breath work over the last like 45 years. Yeah. I mean, that's the extent of my desperation. <laughs> Have you ever tried clarity breath work breathing? I've never heard of that. Yeah, so it's a very different way of breathing. I'm I'm certified in many modalities, but this is a very specific modality where um, you actually lie on your back. It's a simple circular breath in through the your mouth is wide open. You're breathing into the lungs, expanding the lungs, and then breathing out, just like a wave coming from the ocean to the sand and back out. And you you do with the breathing for up to 50 minutes, sometimes more if you want. Um, I started at 10 minutes. And you literally will feel 
your body cleansing itself. So how, um, how fast are you breathing? It sounds like this. And I'm only breathing into my lungs and I'm, it's through the mouth. That's the speed. That sounds exactly like how I would be doing the Wim Hof breathing. The Wim Hof breathing. I don't yeah. know that breath, but I'm going to research it to see if it's similar. I mean, that's the speed that I do it. Yeah. And I do, I generally breathe through my nose and out through my mouth, but you can also do it in through your mouth and out through your mouth as well. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of, a lot of the breath work I've done has incorporated aspects of, it's very much similar to that, like dry rebirthing, wet rebirthing. Yeah. Yep. Primal therapy before that. Yeah. So the, it's all of those things. So, you know, we're on the same page and you have a little story, Tonio, that you can ask your body to release that. Oh, yeah. Just say. And I didn't offer that so much as an excuse, but just as a as a sober acknowledgement. Yeah, I'm. Oh, you're opening your heart and acknowledging the part of you, <laughs> right? You're doing step two of the love method. The part of you that, you know, believes that they're that you're damaged from this trauma and and that's okay. They just love that part of yourself because it's lovable. Exactly. But you're not you're exactly. not damaged. You're just revealing love in every moment and it's you know, you're wiping that window clean. There's still some layers, that's all. Yep, exactly. And we don't have to try to achieve any outer form of perfection because that's right. Inside we are nothing but. That's right. All right, my friend, you take care. I look forward to our next conversation. And I'm looking forward to our next conversation as well. You're a pleasure to talk with. You too, Tonio. Thank you. That was Jody Marquis. She's the founder of the Chance for Change Institute and is a self-sustaining and loving leadership trainer and coach. Where can people find out more about all of this? Yeah, so... You are welcome to find me on Facebook and friend me. It's Jody Marquis, or you can go to Chance for Change Institute and find my page. But if you just want quick, fast track, my phone number um, is a public phone number. It's 802-673-7405. Um, if you can't leave a message, just send me a text. I am happy to return it, and it will only take me between 24 and 48 hours to get back to you. Or you can email me at chanceforchangevt at gmail.com. And that's chanceforchangevt at gmail.com. So thank you so much, Tonio, for this opportunity to share. There was a time when the name of the thing and the thing itself were the same. But now they're separate. It's a challenge to know the one and to also know the other. When I was younger, I'd get confused sometimes. And since what we know is what we see, sometimes I'd get confused about what I was seeing. I wouldn't know whether I was seeing sound or hearing light. Once, I kept hearing little songs, faint at first, then more and more clearly. I followed them, I was trying to find out where they came from. They drew me forward. I walked a long way into the woods. There was snow everywhere, but I didn't even notice because now I'm totally hypnotized. I had to find the source of the songs. After a long time, 
I found myself high up on a mountainside, surrounded by pine trees, practically buried in snow. The wind was whistling. The snow was blowing all around like in a glass ball. Everything got kind of swirled up together. I was confused. Suddenly, the wind died down. At that exact same moment, I saw the opening of a cave. A big, yawning mouth of a cave. And coming out of it was... Snoring. I could hear snoring quite clearly, and slowly it dawned on me. I was hearing the bears snoring in their caves. And then I saw it. The songs I thought I was hearing were the dreams of the bears as they lay curled in their caves, sleeping through the winter time. See, dreams are a kind of thought form, and I was actually seeing the bears' dream thoughts, but I thought I was hearing them. They looked just like little songs. Very sweet. Not like you'd think. Not with the way bears are and all. Anyhow, I've been so mesmerized. I'd walked so far. Now, I was lost. It was night. The moon was shining on the blue snow, and the shadows quivered in the wind. I was freezing. The wolves were howling. I didn't have much choice. I crept into the cave. It was warm and furry in there, and I was so tired from walking so far in the snowy woods, I just curled up and went to sleep. The next thing I knew, I was awakened by tremendous noises, clashing and crashing and banging and crashing and big, big, big noises. John Bavan, the bear, was locked in a terrible battle with a mighty warrior. The ground trembled. The air was filled with blazing flashes. I started backing away as fast as I could, but I tripped over something. I'm afraid I let out a kind of a yelp, because all of a sudden they both stopped and looked over at me. There I am, staring up at Jambavan, the powerful, the great, the bear of all the bears, and at the mighty warrior who, I'm beginning to realize, looks a lot like Lord Vishnu, who just happens to be Lord of the Universe. I'm trying to figure out what to do when Jambavan says, Who are you, little girl? Now, the question of identity has been a pretty big question for a pretty long time. Philosophies, religions, sciences, the arts, all the great minds have grappled with the mystery of the self. Some say it's good, some say it's bad, some say it doesn't really exist. There's a lot of learning about this question. But all those great ideas can go right out of your head when the Lord of the Universe and the bear are both looking deep into your eyes and waiting for an answer. There was nothing for it but to tell the truth. My name is little Frida. Beyond that, well, I'm still working on it. Jambavan looked at Lord Vishnu. They both shrugged, and Jambavan turned back to me and said, to start. I think it was the great Dolly Parton who said, find out who you are and then do it on purpose. This isn't as easy as it sounds. Most people don't even know they don't know who they are. Most people think they got it down. But underneath that everyday walking around driver's license ID kind of thing, there's a secret slushiness. If you follow that I 
The one who says, I can, I do, I am. Follow it deep down into your DNA. You'll find it goes all wispy. This deep down wispiness means things can go all wobbly. And if you get too close to the edge of that, it makes you dizzy. You need some kind of stability, some ground to stand on, something you can name. And this is good, this naming, because it calms people down. Naming and knowing and going along with whatever face reality shows you. It's a work in progress. Who are you? Life lesson number three. The truth conceals itself by being nameless, and you do too.
constructed according to plans formulated by the architects of being and appears on the inhabited planets either by direct importation or as a result of the operations of the life carriers of the local universes. These carriers of life are among the most interesting and versatile of the diverse family of universe suns. They are entrusted with designing and carrying creature life to the planetary spheres. And, after planting this life on such new worlds, they remain there for long periods to foster its development. Support your local life carrier. This message has been a public service announcement brought to you by your local universe. Life lessons come courtesy of ZBS Media at zbs.org. And that's it for this magical mystery tour. Thank you so much for listening. If you missed any of the show or would like to hear it again, you can find this and all magical mystery tour shows at soundcloud.com/wgdr. That's soundcloud.com/wgdr. And until next time, take good care of yourselves and each other. Thank you.